1: giving out to them that blackness, that black power, that black pushing them to identify with uh, 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 black culture. I think that's what you're asking. I have no choice over it. In the first place, to me, we are the most beautiful creatures in the whole world, black people. I mean, and I mean that in every every sense, uh, outside and inside. And to me, we have a culture, that uh, is surpassed by, 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 by no other civilization, but we don't know anything about it. So again, I think I've said this before in this same interview, I think uh, at some time before, my, my job is to somehow make them curious enough or persuade them by hook or crook to get more aware of themselves and where they came from and what they are into and what is already there and just to bring it out. This is what compels me to compel them. And I will do it by whatever means necessary.
0: I am your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Ashley Thomas from the Queens of Intellect. And welcome to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. We are the return of intelligent radio as we ensure the free flow of opinions and push the envelope on the questions America's afraid to ask in the mainstream media Happy New Year Ashley, thank you Queen for holding me down Once again Really, really do appreciate you Being here with me You know, today You know, it's the holiday, if you will And we're going to celebrate this by You know, did people hear The Best of Mental Dialogue 2021 mm-hmm. Hopefully they've been rocking with us And they've heard most of it I also want to thank you for holding me down all year as I highlighted you ladies as the Queens of Intellect members. But if you will, Queen, without further ado, definitely tell them who you are and, and, and hey, say Happy New Year's to all those listening this morning.
2: Sure. Well, good morning, everyone. Happy Saturday. Happy New Year. Uh, My name is Ashley Thomas, and in my nine to five, I'm a client service manager, so I make sure that the plans in my book of business are operating correctly and I'm addressing their questions and concerns. I also am a personal finance coach. Um, I'm the owner at Making Money Matter, so I help people bridge the gap between finances and mental health and having those conversations and really realizing their financial goals and helping them get on track to pursue those goals. So I am excited to be here.
0: No, absolutely love what you do, love to be partnered with you, and people will hear a little more about this later in the show with the Making Money Matter Mondays. We got our next one, January the 10th, It's where money and mental health meets. So as you hear Ashley's background, for those of you, if you happen to be a first-time listener on this January 1st, um, I keep. Uh, a, a a a a mean cadre of uh intelligent sisters known as the queens <laughs> of intellect and um, I highlighted those queens last Saturday as I was in a sense honoring the black woman and explaining why this show honors black women so we honor uh, that perspective, make sure it's heard on all things. And um anyway again I'm a partner with her and her company, Money Making Money Matters. Um and we bring you money and mental health every second Monday for um yeah. Yep, Making Money Matter Mondays, uh, along with Dr. Katrina Pittman. So, again, stay tuned as you hear more about that. Uh, We have a lot going on with the community club. I wanted to start out before we get into some of these, in a sense, the best of mental dialogue. Did you hear the best of mental dialogue 2021, which is our discussion question? Again, I go by the name Black Socrates. Uh, Just to give a little insight, again, we're wrapping up the year, uh, but we're starting out this new year. And um, at the end of the day, we try to ask the right questions to get uh, you know, the right answers on some of these hard questions on race, sex, and culture, and black business. Those are the areas that we specialize in. And, you know, and, and with that said, um, this new year is going to be amazing. We have a lot going on with the club. But I want to make sure people understood what we're actually doing here every Saturday. Well, ultimately, um yeah, we're having these amazing dialogues. As I say, we're the best in the world at having these hard conversations on race, sex, and culture. And, uh, you know, sometimes people might think I'm just bragging or just making a slime just to say it. But when I say we're the best in the world, and we talked about this a little bit last week, Ashley, was just the idea of how we welcome a gumbo of opinions. We're not a place where you right. come and necessarily get your confirmation bias uh, agreed upon and you like the show because you like everything myself or my co-hosts say. I ultimately try to bring people that have different opinions, and we actually listen to one another. It doesn't mean we have to agree, but that's what we specialize in. So when I say we're the best in the world at these conversations, that's that's what I mean. But here's the thing that I really want to make sure it's said, starting off the year and as a wrap-up to last year, is ultimately what our mission is, is, again, yes, we are a talk show, yes, we want you tuned in every Saturday, but we have a much bigger mission than you just hearing what I have to say Uh, you know, even for that matter. Ultimately, our mission is ultimately to create a nationwide virtual neighborhood where African Americans learn to trade ideas, goods and services through solution-focused fellowship via meetups, this podcast, and social media. So, we're trying to create this virtual – well, we're not trying. We've already done it. We have a virtual neighborhood where we connect people via this show, where we basically use this show as a one way, way to communicate. And a lot of times the experts, like Ashley, she's a personal finance coach. We have uh, – a matter of fact, a listener just last week tried to, has tried to link up with her. So we do these dialogues to introduce you to not only experts, but people that you can connect with outside of the show. It happens all the time. We have other You're events that we do. Yep, that we just mentioned. But go ahead, Queen. Let me let you jump in on just the idea of this being a virtual neighborhood because you've been a member with a member of the Mental Dialogue Community Club a little over six months, I think.
2: Yeah, I think uh, I joined sometime in the summer, and I, I just feel like it's, it's a great opportunity to hear different topics that you probably, you know, I, I feel like some of the things are things that we hear about on social media, but other questions are, questions that really engage us and cause us to think and and really formulate an opinion on something that maybe we haven't thought about in a while or even challenge ourselves to see if our opinion has changed. And so many topics that come out that we talk about that are really going to give you the opportunity to just really think and, and really try to engage in the conversation. Like you mentioned, Montoya, people have differing opinions when they come on the show, so it's always interesting to hear how people how their experiences have shaped their opinions, and you get to hear that, right? Because oftentimes the people around us generally share the same opinions or we agree to disagree, and then we don't get to engage in those conversations anymore. It becomes kind of stale to us. So this is a great opportunity to freshen up these conversations or hear a different perspective and and hear it from people all over the world.
0: Yes, right. We are an a international show. Uh, we've had people call in from Canada. We've had people call in from Ghana. Uh, so uh, that's always cool. We know they're on different timelines. So when we catch people like that. Uh, but if you will, um, if you don't mind, just highlighting even as a, as a community aspect again, because our goal is more than just listen to or tune in on Saturdays. It's really to connect everyone out there to be this virtual neighborhood. So if you could just even speak to that aspect. And, um, again, you haven't been with us, you know, we've been had this club for about six years now. And um, mm-hmm. I mean, we've been, Mental Dialogue is a live experience. That's a whole other thing that's been around for right. over a decade. But the actual club aspect. Um, so you're kind of new to that part. So if you could just even speak to that part before we go to our first break, we're going to come back and get hot and heavy with Did You Hear the Best of Mental Dialogue 2021. So just a, a quick thought on that community club aspect?
2: You know, I I think it's amazing. I think that because right now, oftentimes, like, you only have community if you already have it established, and mental dialogue gives you the opportunity to create new community, right? Because, Montoya, you're great at finding people that do certain things and connecting them with the people that need that thing or can help expand that thing. So it's just been a great opportunity to create all of these new connections and learn about people and really pour into their businesses and pour into their visions and really see it come to life and give them new ideas, give them new perspectives. So just that ability to connect, I know for my business and the people that I'm working with now is completely different from where I was last year. So, you know, it's a great starting point to just branch out and create community, and I don't think we have that opportunity enough um, with how things are going in the world in terms of technology and all of that. So it's it's a great opportunity to create and foster community and do that in person, do that virtually. You have a lot more options, uh, and you're a great person to pair people together and figure out what they need.
0: No, thank you for that. I always say we can be neighbors even though we don't live next to one another. And I just wanted to really highlight that as we go into this first break and get started with what our actual show is, just, you know, just to start the new year off to help people understand, we're more than a talk show. Um, Dr. Cloud Anderson, if you've ever talked, seen him talk about the five pillars of what's necessary in a sense to have a community, uh, he considers the media um, floor number four, and so I take that role very serious. And he says, how can you actually? commit to any actions if you cannot talk to your people. And so every Saturday morning we have discussions that matter to our community, but we're ultimately trying to get people connected. We've even had live on air connections. So with that said, we're going to go to a commercial, and we're going to come back hot and heavy. Um, Ashley, as I told you, for this show is going to be a little different. You're going to listen to cuts from past shows, and I just want to get your three cents. And for the callers out there, um, if you press one, you can actually help co-host with us. I want to make that very clear. You will come on and you will stay a special guest co-host until somebody else calls in and knocks you off. So y'all can help us dialogue about these amazing shows that we're about to start playing the cuts from. So we're going to go to a quick break. When we come back from break, we'll get we're going to go right into a show. So Ashley, we're just going to sit tight for a second. Just tell, you know, just give me your thoughts on the cuts um, after I start playing. Okay. All right. We'll be right now, back. Mm-hmm. Well, all I ask is that you think. Are you intimidated by money? Well, this is a question most people never think to ask themselves. But when forced to think about it, many people realize they have unrecognized fears that truly affect how they deal with money. If you want to learn more about money and the fears that keep you from prosperity, join us for Making Money Matter Mondays, where money meets mental health with personal finance coach Ashley Thomas and psychotherapist Dr. Katrina Pittman. Every second Monday of the month, find out if you're intimidated by money what to do about it. To receive a link to this free Zoom event, please DM the Make It Money Matter on the Mentor Dialogue Instagram pages or contact
3: 404-604-9477. What I've seen is that there's a number of folks out here that's struggling with everything that's happening from the pandemic. Um there's 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 an economic um there's an economic uh, liability out here for for a lot of folks that they're really trying to work through. And um that's that's why I offer different things like uh art. Uh teaching teaching black men the art of simple meditation. Um or getting into exercise and um it's just just getting out of that space of "woe is me," um, and getting them some attention on every level. And that's what the community checkup is all about. It's just servicing our people on every level. So if it's uh, a psychological space that we really need to tap into uh, to have to help you live a better quality of life, or if it's uh, just 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 giving folks the resources to understand that you're not alone. Um, that this is something that we're all going through together, and we can get through it uh, if we tackle it uh, together. So, so I've seen the struggle, but I've also seen uh, black men more willing to open up now, uh, having these conversations. Because uh, my my experience is with our black man is different. Because uh, I'm all over the place, from the streets of Atlanta, uh, the art scene, uh, doing what I do as an entrepreneur, different networking events. So so there are a few spaces to where it's not so comfortable to talk about. But I just want to let brothers know that it is something that's important, and it doesn't make you any less than a man or weaker to have this type of conversation.
0: Nah, I love it. So a thought about a thought for somebody out there that may still be going through it or faced with those, like you said, um, sincere, those economic pressures, um, cur- currently with the pandemic, kind of figure all this out or whether it's loneliness or whatever the case may be, uh, for someone that's saying or thinking to themselves, I don't know where to turn. Cause it's good to hear that all of you are saying that, Hey, this, there's no stigma. Um, these things are improving, you know, unfortunately, however, you know, we've, you know, unfortunately is. Dr. Griffin said we're still, in a sense, losing people. So in that sense, those people probably felt like they had nowhere to turn, I'm assuming. That's just an assumption that I'm making. And so for anybody that's listening that's trying to figure this thing out and say, okay, I'm going to tune in here. How do we... Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest, co-host Ashley Thomas. As you just heard a cut from one of these, again, our top shows of 2021, that was Black Men. Do They Need Therapy? I was happy to see this one remain one of our top missing to shows, um, as you, in a sense, heard. Um, Brother Sincere, who actually I see out there on the line, I'm going to drag him on to this thing. Um, Again, if you're out there listening, you can come on and be a co-host with us. I'm going to get Sincere on with me as well. As as you heard him break down what he's seen, but before I bring him on, I'm also using it as an opportunity, again, glad to see it be one of our top shows because, again, people are getting more used to, in a sense, getting therapy or being open to the concept of therapy. Uh, but in reality, I wanted to highlight again another event that we do uh, is the community checkup. And the brother, Cecile who I'm bringing on now, is the catalyst for why um, the Arts and Culture Show as well as Mr. Dialogue came together to put on the community checkup. Uh, Cecile I got you on. I kind of just pulled you on, so I hope I didn't catch you at the wrong time, brother.
3: No, brother, any time is a good time, man. Peace and love to you, fam.
0: No, glad to have you on to the Did You Hear the Best of Mental Dialogue 2021, as I was highlighting and giving you props for putting together the community checkup and just you talking about what you had seen as someone who wanted to help put that event together. Let me say this very quickly, which is just a once a month, last Thursday of the month, zoom where we bring on mental health professionals just a dialogue about mental health and we've been able to get a lot of people uh, a lot of help with that um, after the community checkup you may have the show in the background because i'm hearing a little feedback brother i don't know if that's possibly you or i'm gonna have to just bring you back on uh
3: okay well let me uh let me call back in brother all yeah, right that. no
0: problem all right Ashley, i'll just let you <coughs> give me your thoughts after hearing that cut and we have to get sincere back on
2: Oh, well, you know, I'm I'm all about therapy and having the opportunity to go in and talk to somebody. I, I think that a lot of people have misconceptions about what therapy is, and, like, it really is the experience that you make it. It's really about having a safe space that you can, like, let your hair down in and talk about these things that, you don't even realize our problems, you know, when, when you find that your emotional state is changing when you're going through things. I think the first time I went to therapy, I was like, I just, I, I want to make sure that, like, I'm not crazy, right? Like, this is a lot to deal with. And the therapist was like, yes, this is an absolute lot that you're dealing with right now, right? And because uh-huh. people don't talk about it, You don't know what to expect, so you go to therapy, you think somebody's going to, you know, be analyzing who you are, but it's just an opportunity to get all that stuff that you don't let other people know about to get it out to somebody that is bound by law to keep it in unless you're going to harm someone or yourself, right? And and because black men don't traditionally have safe spaces, it's so important that they go just to get that stuff out, right? Uh, My therapist says the only way... Um, to get to the other side is to go through. you got to process all that stuff that's happening. And, and, you know, therapy is a great way to do that with someone that is trained to hold your hand and help you bring that stuff out and make sure that you're still okay as you're talking about it and getting it out and give you ways to manage whatever you're dealing with. Because we're all dealing with something. And why not go to somebody that is trained to, like, hold your hand and be supportive? It doesn't mean that your first therapist or your second one will be the best one. Just like your other relationships, you have to vet them to make sure that your therapist is talking to you the way that you want, that they're giving you resources that are actually useful. And if not, you go on to the next one. But therapy is so, so needed and so underrepresented and talked about in our community, especially for our men. No one's there to judge you. They're really just there to hold your hand and help you process all the things that you're dealing with. And if you don't have that in your life, there are so many ways to find a therapist right now, and even black male therapists. No,
0: absolutely. And we definitely help people with that with the community checkup. And um, I, would, I love how you said I'm about to bring Sucere back on. Uh, but I love how you said you were able just, you, I could hear you kind of your excitement, even you in explaining the first time you go there, you're like, I'm not crazy for this, right? Like the confirmation <laughs> of knowing, hey, I was dealing I was dealing with so much that I really should be here in front of you versus I can right. imagine, you know, that first step is do I really need it? Is this normal mm-hmm. or what many of us do is we just push it off or try not to deal with it? And uh, let me see if we can get Sincere back on. Hey, King, let's see if we can get you back on clearer. And, uh, you know, in that cut we got, you know, we listened to was a lot of you talking about, uh, um, you know what what the experience of therapy was like, and particularly to black men. As I was highlighting, I was glad that it was a top show. We still got the little feedback, but we just gonna get through it for it. You know, as we guess best we can, King, it ain't gonna kill the show. Uh, but yeah, go ahead and give us your thoughts, Cecile. Thank you for
3: being with us this morning. Yeah, man, thank you for that cut, man. One of the biggest things that I wanted to make sure that our brothers knew is that it's not a weakness to be able to uh, take a look at your blind spots Uh, is one of the things that I learned that actually encouraged me to go into therapy was that uh, some of your greatest minds, some of your greatest thinkers, some of your greatest businessmen, athletes, so forth and so on, they have had therapy or they have coaches they have counseling to help them identify those blind spots to encourage and to build on that greatness that they have. So, One thing that I didn't see when I got started on this mission was uh, strong men uh, advocate for um, a therapy, or coaching, or counseling. So I didn't see that. So I said, well, let me stand in the gap using my influence to encourage that and um, give a little bit more of my story, man. So I'm thankful to our sponsors that make this happen. I'm grateful to you, brother. Uh, for standing in that gap with me, man, and doing what's necessary for our community, man. Uh, this is how we make it better. We do it as a unit, and we do it together, and that ensures that we do it better.
0: No, absolutely. And the cool thing is, um, again, I always like to share this with people, mental dialogue. When people say, oh, that's a cool name. I always like to even just highlight mental dialogue. There is, is, there's a There's a goal in the name itself. And what I always simply say is, if we can improve the conversation inside your own head, you will be better. And if you're better, our community, therefore our community is better. So that's in the name itself. But, of course, I had mental dialogue well before. You know, we've been rocking the community checkup, uh, myself and Sincere, for over a year now. And, again, we've been in it, like I said, not only be able to encourage people to, in a sense, take that step, but as Sincere just mentioned, what I learned from it, I'll highlight my own story, the concept of, um only thinking of therapy when I'm going through something bad. And when, you, when, when he highlighted, like you said, the, the best minds that we admire and the uh, top athletes and things of that nature typically have someone that uh, coaches them or gives them therapy um, also to ma- maintain their success, not just get them out of the doors or when you're going through it and when you're overwhelmed, which, um, you know, to a degree, um, let's shout out um, Jester Ray, which is the, the, unfortunately an honorable a brother that we lost Um, unfortunately, to suicide, which is actually the catalyst for the community checkup, uh, and and Sincere was just like, I don't want to lose another brother, and um, it was him and another brother, you know, he could tell a little more of it if he likes, uh, that basically, unfortunately, we didn't want that brother's life to be in vain, and we did not want to lose any, you know, more brothers and sisters out there, and again, shout out to our sponsors. Um, Special highlight to um, Undugu Foundation, which is another organization that is a actual safe space Uh, For men specifically, because, again, that show was Black Men, um, Do We Need Therapy? And, again, so happy to see that that was one of our top shows of the year. And my own personal story was understanding that you can use therapy on the bad end and the good end. And me actually being an advocate for mental health therapy since mental dialogue existed. And we've been we literally started in those barbershops, shout out to Fade barber Barbershop, the where I first first did my first mental dialogue live experience. It wasn't called a live experience at that time, but I've been an advocate for mental health literally entire decade, but here's the reality and the truth. I didn't get therapy until attending the community checkup myself, and that was the understanding mm-hmm. that you can use it, not just when you're going through it. I've always thought I was strong on that end of things or whatever, but get to the performance level that I wanted to, I never thought to use therapy to tweak what I am going through, whether it's a matter of willpower or just understanding, like Sincere said, um, the blind spots. Um, Sincere, uh, before I let you go, man, how, did, how, how do you feel knowing that this ended up being one of our top shows this year, man, because you, you were actually a guest on that show, but you know you just found out last night that it was one of our top shows. So your thoughts on that and anything else you want to say before we let you go, King?
3: Oh, brother, I'm elated, man. Uh, that just means that the message is getting through. Our works are not in vain, man, and our brothers are seeing the value in us taking care of ourselves and our wellness uh, spiritually, mentally, and physically, man. So so it makes my heart smile, man, and it justifies the work that we out here doing, man. So, so that gives me the fuel I need to continue on, man, and to make sure that our brothers are taking care of themselves so we can better take care uh of our wives our brothers our sisters our mothers our community as a whole man so so i appreciate you for letting me know that and bringing me on man i appreciate the work that you do and thank you queen for being uh a part of this process as well uh so man i'm just thankful brother i'm grateful moving into 2022 man so the work continues bro
0: no absolutely man thank you king um very appropriate way to start out uh, in a sense, the best of 2021 um, highlighting, uh, you know, obviously people had, a, you know, as you can imagine, Ashley, a lot of mental health issues and people are still dealing with it because, again, you know, this, or, you know, Omicron or Marion is, is our community <laughs> is a colleague, mm-hmm. it, whatever. Um, you know, is 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 a little havoc, and people are just a little mixed up on the information, the correct information, the misinformation. It gets a little overwhelming. Uh, you know, to, you know, a year ago, you could hardly go outside for New Year's, and this year ended up turning into some of that. But we got used to being outside, so it's a lot of stuff going on, and so um, yeah. pretty dope that they're you know highlighting the um, community checkup again, once a month event we do via Zoom. Uh, please follow um, and myself. Um, and and you can basically get a, a, a free DM to that free event once a month. So make sure you're following us on social media um, at Mental Dialogue uh, on Facebook and at Mental Underscore Dialogue on. IG. And that's where we highlight that event. Um, Speaking of the pandemic, if you will, got a lot of callers out there. If you're wanting to be a co-host, you do have to jump in to give us your three cents on this morning's discussion. If you hit that number one and get on with us, you will be our special guest co-host until we uh, somebody else knocks you off. But speaking of the pandemic, I wanted to highlight another one of our top shows. We have a A series that we've been running in the past, I haven't run it as much lately, Conversations with Smart People, and this queen by the name of Laditra White, Um, she came on and we were highlighting things that she experienced in the first year of the pandemic, and she also did a project where she really actually went out in grassroots level to um, figure out what was going specifically on in our community when it came to the vaccination um you know that was being pushed if you think this was over a year ago and so there was a lot of narratives even on the national level uh, narratives about in a sense why the african-american community was so hesitant to actually consider the vaccination and those narratives did not tell the whole story and to this queen's credit she just went and did a sincere uh I'm not on this side or that side. Just tell me what are your concerns with this vaccine. And uh, we were able to highlight her work on our show last year. And here's a cut from that show where she talked about, in a sense, um, her perspective on, in a sense, uh, how she saw it how the national media saw it, how the health field saw it, and this is a very telling cut, so we're going to go right into it. I want to get your thoughts, Ashley, and again, for all the listeners out there, you do have to press 1 if you want to give us your three cents on this morning's discussion.
4: I don't believe we're ever going to succeed, and truly, people may, we may end up getting a shot in the arm. There may, you may, we may win at the end of the day that a vast majority of people of color get, that vac- get the vaccinations, but here's the thing. And I really want everybody to hear this until we start to treat the people of color from the top of their head to the bottom of their feet, until they start to go into these communities and address all the disparity that address that exists, economic education, health, Mm -hmm. housing. If we were, if you really want to get our attention, come in there and say, we're going to start addressing 350 years of trouble of disparity.
5: Yes. Yes.
4: If we're really going to, if you really want to pretend like you care and you really want to, what you can envelop this vaccination solution into a program where you're saying we are going to give you, address all health concerns. We, we are mentally cuckoo for Cocoa puffs. We have mental health issues, present company in, included. There's mental health, <laughs> there's stress, there's diabetes, there's hypertension. Where are those solutions? Why, are you just, why is everybody jumping on the vaccine wagon? And so I say all of that to say, and I know this is a question people are wondering, is where do I stand? It really doesn't matter where I stand on vaccinations. It really I doesn't matter because that's not my. That's it not doesn't. why I'm here. But I will tell mm-hmm. you how I thought, how I arrived at my decision. I, am, I have pre uh, comorbidities. There are things that exist in my life that I think would be worsened if I got sick i have been i have taken the flu shot every year i have grew up on vaccinations and you know what Here's it. montoya sit down when i say this and i every i've never asked what was in the flu shot i never asked what was in the vaccinations that i took growing up i have never seldom asked what was in the vaccination when i vaccinate my children so i'm not really sure that this is the time i'm going to die on the sword and say I'm going to be one way or the other because I don't know enough. It's up to me to learn more. That's it. That's my
0: opinion. No, I love it. Um, and, and, I, and I love it because I, what well, I, well, let we say? Well, let me explain it when I say I love it. And, again, I, tr- trust, I trust and I'm not surprised exactly how you approached it um, because I am a huge believer in as you move through nuance, as neutral as you can stay, the more opportunity for truth. And so, for anybody out there listening, whether you whether you're already on a side or not, even me saying I'm an advocate, I can still hear uh, the teacher, if you will. I can hear her explain, "Hey, I did this project to see what was out there." All of those questions, I think, based on our Culture and the things that have happened in this country or you basically said here's what I heard and all of those questions are absolutely fair based on Concerns now me being an advocate and loving to dig into science journals You know and so I have time that I could answer most of your questions but that's not the point here the point is here's the things that people are thinking about. And as you said, it's not reduced down just to, uh, you know, the Tuskegee experiment being the, the biggest culprit, if you will. And then the last thing you said really speaks to, the idea that while this vaccine, as, I, as an advocate, I will say while this vaccine, that most vaccines have shown a history of being safe. Not all; there have been vaccines taken off the market. So again, I'm not, we're not, I'm not doing the either or. So I hope if you're a first time listener, you're listening that we're, we're not on the edges here. We're, we're kind of getting in the middle of all of this, and so I'll simply say that while. You know, vaccines to a degree mostly have been, I would even say, um, very good for human history. Uh, God, but again, this was a new one. So a new one that gets developed very quickly when the average one typically takes about 8 to 10 years. That is a valid question, not just for black people, but for anybody that's asking, how did this thing come to market very quickly? Again, there is an answer, but a valid question. Uh, and anyway, let me circle back to the point. So so I say all this to say, that that ultimately the last thing you just mentioned with 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 our medical history as a people and there's so much distrust rightfully so across the board. You you, you spoke to the answer. You're absolutely right, Dietrich, That in the sense that in in a sense, if it, it, this country were able to show that hey, this is a demographic, the African American culture, uh, American community that we that is important to us then, yeah, it, I can imagine that for most people it looks kind of fishy right now that you're saying, hey, we see that y'all are dying from this the most. We, it looks like the medical community says, hey, we really care about you now. And to your point is that's just not human nature to be like, well, I trust you now because you haven't shown that you've cared about me for the last 300 years, so why would I trust you now, even with the head of the AMA being black woman, even with the uh, Moderna um, – being developed by an African-American woman. I think the Pfizer one was developed by a Nigerian. So even with those in place, there is a history for all of this hesitancy, which is I think is your major point. Um, I'll, let me see. you can, Yeah, jump in right there, Queen. Um, again, I'm going to get to the caller um, out there, but I don't know if you're going to stick with us for a little longer, but I just I just really wanted to encapsulate what I heard you say and, and why I appreciated it.
4: Yeah, no, you said it. You encapsulated re- 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 I- it quite well. And I, I, I think that, again, at the end of the day, to really, I mean, we can sprint. I mean, I mean I'm talking about the, the health institutions. They can choose to sprint with us or treat this as a marathon. The sprint is trying to get the vaccination into our arms. The marathon is to demonstrate, demonstrate in an authentic way that we see you, we hear you, we've we wronged you, and it's time to try to address, to make good, really start to look at this community and say something is awry and in, uh, in, in many respects to fault of their not to fault of their own you know it is not kids fault that they are under um, served in education it is not our kids fault that they're underserved in terms of access to good health care not we can't even go, go and get grocery stores within five miles in many in many food deserts across the country and guess who are in those food deserts people of color yes no wonder we have Absolutely. hypertension. No wonder we have diabetes. No wonder. No wonder. Uh, then listen to this. Even people with money, even people with money are getting COVID more than others. You know why? Because there's bias in healthcare administration. Even the doctor, how does a black doctor die of COVID? And, and when she's begging them, I'm not well. I need something more here. And then she dies. You treat people with COVID and die to COVID, telling the doctors, you're not treating me like you would a white person. So until we have we're willing to have those types of conversations, we are going to find that we continue this gap. It's only going to get wider and wider and wider, and I don't care who's in the White House. Because we gotta be willing to sit to put...
0: Welcome back to the best of mental dialogue twenty twenty-one special guest co-host Ashley Thomas. Again, as you hear uh, a dialogue from uh, a conversation with smart people, Miss Laditra White, your thoughts, Ashley, as you just kind of, again, I thought that was a, a very important part of, of that time I spent with Laditra. Your thoughts, Queen?
6: Yeah, I,
2: I feel like at a certain point in the summer, it kind of dominated, you know, everything that everybody was talking about, like should you get the vaccine or should you not? And, I mean, like the whole point of it is, we're just trying to make sure that everyone is being protected. But there there is a certain consideration that has to be given to people of color when you talk about why aren't they taking the vaccine as quickly as other people. And, and there has to be consideration for that because you have to be able to address those questions. You have to be able to uh, address those concerns, at least acknowledge them. And it makes it very difficult to trust that anyone has your best interest at heart or that, you know, this vaccine isn't something else that they're trying to push on us when our very valid concerns in just everyday medical situations, just going for a checkup, that those things are not being addressed. And and I feel like if, if you're not going to acknowledge those things, you can't overcome the objections that our people present when it comes to taking the vaccine. Right, But at the end of the day, it is our responsibility to make sure that we're doing as much research as possible, knowing that we're still not experts in the field. And, like, is it going to do you better to just go ahead and get the vaccine now, or are you going to get caught in the weeds about, like, what's in it and what's going on and all of these other things? At a certain point, um, your life and your mortality have to be worth a little bit more um, and, and this is one of those instances where we might just have to trust and see what happens versus trying to vet it to a point where we're comfortable um, because COVID is real and it is taking lives and it's doing so ruthlessly. Um, and, and it's important that we are coming together and educating each other so that we can make it through pandemic.
0: No, I love it. We got Brother Kevin out of South Carolina who just raised his hand. We got another one behind him. So we're going to let Kevin jump on with us for at least this segment. Um 3314 Um, Just so you know, we'll definitely get you on the next segment. I want to give Kevin a little time. His brother's always fighting for airtime with us a lot of times. I cut him off and hang up on him, so I got to give him a few minutes today. What's up, Kevin? Thanks for calling in, King. You've been a long-time listener. Um, Go ahead and give us your three cents as we're dialoguing through the best of Mr. Dialogue. So I'm going to at least let you stay on for this segment, which is about another six minutes, brother. So um, you can rock with us. What you got for us, King? Again, thank you for um, listening and tuning
5: in on a lot of Saturdays with us. Hey, hey, hey! Always a pleasure. Um, that was a good. That was a uh, a good segment right there, and it's an exhausting segment. <laughs> it's in the conversation that is, uh, you know. First of all, when it can when it comes to us, they're disingenuous you know ingenuous when it comes to us. First of all, they talk about hesitancy. That word itself drives everyone crazy. No one's hesitant. They say they're not messing with it. Why are they not messing with it? Because they feel they don't need it. All right? Uh, the question is this. For those who have the, uh, you know, health problems and whatnot, that's, if you feel that's for you, then that's for you. That's the whole purpose of the so-called vaccine, for you to protect yourself. All right? If I got a disease that makes make me have soft bones and whatnot, then you put on a body cap. I shouldn't have to put on a body cast because you already got yours on. I don't have the disease. I'm, 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 my immune system—I've done what I have to do to take care of my body to get it to the point where it's supposed to be as healthy. And I know that it works because I'm product of. say uh, I'm not a, what do you say? I'm not just a a, a client. Um, the CEO. I'm a client of what we talk about. See, the thing is that you had experts on both sides, but you had a whole system that stopped the experts from on one side from even having this debate, having this discussion. And here we got our people that were being blatantly paid to get out there and advocate for something they know nothing about. That's what really ticks uh, me and, and people like me off so bad. So I'm going to jump in, in right here,
0: Kevin. Kevin, you know, I'm going to jump in like I always do. Because, again,
5: this is Mr. Dialogue
0: Show. Love your, love, um, you know, again, you are absolutely free to your opinion. Uh, but just, again, just in case somebody's a first-time listener, we like, we will also, you can challenge us, I will also challenge you back. And so um, I'll tell you, I think it's absolutely disrespectful for you to think that a lot of the people who are advocates and who are in the field are being paid to tell us what's wrong. I know people personally that sincerely love us, that have studied this. And I'm talking about mine and your layman study, and I've done a lot of research, and people know I've done videos uh, and for this. But I think it's absolutely disrespectful to think that our sisters and brothers who have went through eight years of medical schooling and training to learn what they know are being paid to give us the wrong information. I can tell you firsthand, I know personally, um, immunization doctors as well as triple board certified doctors because again I make those relationships because I want to give people factual information that love us more Just the same as you love us, Kevin, because I know you love our community. They love us just the same, and ain't nobody paid them a dime to tell us the truth. So I just think it's disrespectful to disrespect their years of schooling and their background to think that they're being paid to tell us BS. Now, I don't mind you disagreeing with us,
5: but it's disrespectful, brother. Well, uh, and to that I I have to say this. Some people you don't have to pay, but they'll do it voluntarily. So but I'm telling you, tell these like, people
0: are not voluntarily doing that, brother. Bro, I'm not, telling you that first thing. Like they're not. Yeah, but I'm, I'm not, I'm, like, but, I'm, but I'm. But I don't want to talk about the people that you think have been paid, and those that people are voluntary. I want you to understand that there are people who would not have done that, that have done this work, I, I, and I'm standing up for them because it's disrespectful okay. to say. Come on, I want you to talk about the people that have not done it, that are sincerely done the research, to do, do this for a living, and tell people. Here's what they recommend is best. You don't have to agree with it, but it's disrespectful to think that they've been paid or that they're voluntarily trying to harm us. I'm
5: standing on that, brother. You got about a minute. I'll (laughs) I'll let you stand on that, but I have to stand on what I know, too, because I know people that told us that they were being paid, being approached. Tyler Perry told you himself. They came to him and asked him to advocate for it. So you had plenty of people that were also paid could do it and we know that by fact they were you had organizations that were given thousands and thousands of dollars to get out here and promote 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 so those are the facts we're not talking about i mean, be you you got some that would voluntarily do it on their own but you also had the ones that the government came to specifically you got companies that were forced and pressed in the, the oh, making this stuff oh. mandated for the employees right, by the right, government so. So here it is.
0: I'll let you know. I'm going to just give you another perspective on that, and we'll jump in. It's cool. If anybody that's listening, this is what me and Kevin do all the time, so this is not abnormal for us. But we're all about to go to break, and he he keeps calling. Because, again, we do welcome the opinion, but we also can challenge one another. So what I'll tell you is the head of the AMA, um, Dr. Harris, um new because our community was you know you don't like the word hesitant but because there is hesitancy in our community they absolutely funded a marketing campaign to educate which included people receiving money to promote and advocate for educational purpose and explain what's going on, so you can take that as a money to trick our people. No, they just took the information and shared it as is. So yes, people did receive money because the head of the AMA, a black woman for the first time, understood going into this. If we just do it, roll this out the same way. Her, in her opinion, a lot of our people would not do it. So the. But the promotion that you saw was decided by a black woman who has not been paid to hurt her community she She chose to do it because without her, they wouldn't have promoted as hard in our community and There was a lot of dialogue about equity and would we even have access like broader Americans and We saw that trouble in some communities. We saw white people showing up in communities that they would never ever show up in to get the vaccines that we were not taking. That's what she was concerned about. So, yes, they were paid, but not for the reasons you said. All right, brother, thanks for giving me the call. We are going to go to a quick break. We'll come back. We're going to get our next co-host on with us. Sorry, Ashley, I didn't give you a second to jump in on that, but we we got to definitely make sure we take care of our sponsors. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. If you're looking to purchase or sell a home in Atlanta's competitive real estate market, there's only one real estate agent we call on, Elfram Abdullah. Not only is he honest and straightforward, but he has a proven repeatable strategy that consistently gets his clients the homes they wanted versus their second or third choice. What's Elfram's secret? His virtual on-the-spot offer moves his clients to the front of the line for purchases and for sales, his no-nonsense approach gets your home sold and off the market. For a results-oriented real estate experience, contact Ephraim Abdullah, a licensed agent powered by eXp Realty, at 770-800-7922. Again, that number is 770-800-7922. Why I try to get people to understand the impact of that is, I use uh, Vegas a lot of times as the as the uh, as, as the example, right? If you look at Vegas, everybody can understand Vegas because everybody has gone to Vegas, or everybody understands what Vegas is about, right? And Vegas is a two-mile stretch. I mean, the Vegas that everybody goes to is literally a two-mile stretch. It's literally two miles, but the amount of income and the amount of money that actually flows through Vegas is incredible. Right, and you can see the amount of money mm-hmm. that's actually invested in getting people to come to Vegas is incredible. It's guarded. They have castles. They have you know they have water fountains, uh, roller coasters. They have all of this in a two mile stretch. Now, the only thing that limits Vegas from scale because you have to look at everything from a scalability standpoint, and the only thing that limits in, in regards to technology, uh, Vegas to scale is the ability to control the finance. Right. Vegas has its own system of finance, and once you understand that concept, it has its own system of, uh, of finance, and it has to be controlled. So no matter what part you play in Vegas, you are part of that system that's different from any other financial system you see in the world. That's why everybody in the world comes to this two-mile stretch. Now, what we're getting into is we're getting into technology that's going to allow the same concept of Vegas to scale across the world. And so you got to think of that conceptually. Like uh, you got to think of that. Like that's the technology we have on the financial side now. Is we have the ability
5: to mm. control.
0: When you go to Vegas, you don't even see the money move. As a as a patron, as a customer, you don't even see the money move. All you see is you trading your money in and trading your money out. But you don't see how the money is managed or controlled. So we're at a place in time now where we have the technology where money can be controlled on that fashion. So. Vegas can be scaled. And what you're seeing is the, is Vegas as a pilot. This is how I explain mm. people. It's a pilot mm-hmm. program. The idea is to scale Vegas across the entire world. So now you shut Vegas down, you shut sports and entertainment down, right, and what you do is you, turn, you, you keep people in one place. So Elon Musk, he's solving a problem. The problem is over through industrialization. His job is to solve the problem of minimizing carbon dioxide so we don't kill people. You understand what I'm saying? On the Mm.
5: availability,
0: when we emerge, Mm. so he is being paid for future. He is being paid for propulsion solutions. He's not being paid for Tesla. He's not being paid for uh, uh, SpaceX. He's being paid to understand how we can get propulsion and get rid of engines across every industry that requires engines. So wow. we don't overtoxify people so we don't die of these uh these pandemics by overtoxification. And so if you have to put these things together and see now we have the ability. If you look at if you look at every industry, you can do everything you've done in Vegas, you can do in the privacy of your own home now. Right? If you wanna if you wanna be entertained, right. if you want uh if you want food, if you want uh whatever it is, if you wanna gamble, gambling is going to fifteen X, right? When these guys can't go to these uh, these games you can't you and you can't have a hundred thousand people in an in a arena anymore These guys are not going to stop watching sports. What they're gonna do is they are going to form a new group You, you guys feel that hey,
5: be- right. be- Yeah,
0: oh, no, nah, you're they're- killing it right now. I'm like yeah I mean, I'm just <laughs> blown away that you could even think of all of this go ahead I, don't, I want you to finish cause I definitely want to hear what Michael has to say I, I'm just taking it all they're- in. They're- I want to hear they're what Michael be- says to everything you're saying. Go ahead, brother now You're we're here. Yeah they're not- they're- they're gonna form a new group. They're basically gonna form a new group, and it's gonna scale and the scalability. So the technology has always been there to scale the pilot of Vegas. The only thing that hasn't been able to scale is the ability to control the money. Enter what they call blockchain. So if you understand the technology mm. of blockchain, you understand money can then be controlled in a fashion where you can scale the concept of Vegas incomes. What they call universal base income incomes. So, so now, and the scary part, the thing that really scares me is losing your religion because <laughs> that's a whole different conversation. But we all know, I've known Christians that go to Vegas and they lose their religion. Everything that happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. What happens when Vegas comes to your house or comes to your community?
1: Mm-hmm. You understand We
0: can see that. We can see that in the social and our social
5: mm-hmm. morals. Yes. Factors.
0: We can see that eroding mm-hmm. as we continue wow. to integrate more Listen, some- technology. I know you didn't expect ahead, WAP to come out in the middle of this conversation, but WAP is the exact, <laughs> WAP is the perfect example of what you're talking about right now. Exactly. WAP could be number one in the country. It's the perfect example of exactly. it coming to your home. But go ahead, brother. Exactly, exactly, exactly. exactly. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Soccer Team, along with special guest co-host Ashley Thomas. Did you hear the best of Mental Dialogue as you hear a cut from another series? Our number one um, Thoughtful Rant show, which is a random 30-minute joint we do with no commercials, and I am blessed to have on the voice you just heard, uh, one of our longtime Platinum Level members. Uh, William Agnew is actually on the line, so perfect timing. Once again, this is just working out. I had Tassir on for the, last, for the first cut. Now I got William on for this cut. But uh, before I bring uh, William on, actually, just give me your, some thoughts, and then I'll hear what William has to say about his own own self, if you will. He was trying to get in before, so he may have some other thoughts as well. But let me just hear your first time hearing and a highlight what we were talking about for that Thoughtful Rant. We had that right after Elon Musk was announced as the richest man in the world, and that was just His thoughts. Um, uh, William is also one of our mastermind members, and um, and so he's real uh, kind of ahead of the uh, curve on just blockchain technology and just kind of evaluating things. He's a very successful businessman uh, uh, with some rare and unique qualities, and that was just his own assessment of. Uh, a, a piece of his assessment of Elon, he thought it was just real unique for that man to, in a sense, become the richest man in the world, and I think from what I understand at the time, based on, in a sense, how he was evaluated, it wasn't the old, the, 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 in a way, the way it was done in the past, where, in a sense, someone's um, business itself was thriving, and that's how he had become rich. Um, because again we think of SpaceX and Tesla if you will when it comes to Elon but the reality mm-hmm. it, on Tesla it wasn't necessarily as profitable as people might think but the reason that he's the richest richest person in the world was very unique compared to the way other people have become the richest person in the world your thoughts Ashley they were going to bring William on
2: Yeah I agree with everything he said you know just thinking about how things have turned it in our country and how things are changing and just the accessibility and the way that currency is changing—it all makes sense, right? It's about—it's really about getting ahead of things as they're happening, right? So before it even requires you to have like direct deposit or for money to be in there, like how can we bring these experiences to you even quicker? And if there's someone that's going to find a way to um, really scale that and and bring that to multiple parts of the country like they're going to be one of the richest people they're going to find ways to really change the footprint and how we do things with currency with scaling in and of itself because they're finding ways to reach people before they're having to make any other decisions or before they're having to have all of these other things intercept with it right like you have the means with crypto for it to be right there in your hand it's not like when you're funding a brokerage account and that money has to go in there and then it has to sit for a couple of days so it's settled, um, you know, like that—that that is the case to a certain degree. But just being able to have that transitioning so quickly now, you're seeing how it's impacting things and how it's changing investing and finance overall in our country.
0: No, absolutely. Let me get this brother on William, thanks again for always being such a supporter. Perfect timing. Uh, you know, no way for you to know that when you call in, your cut would be up. Um, it's perfect timing, um, and that's how the universe just lines up, man, and you've been a long-time supporter of what we do here at Mental Dialogue. But I'm just going to let you jump in. And, I'm, you know, you get to rock with us right now for as long as you want, or should somebody else call the number, let me announce that number, 646-787-1691. Again, 646 646-787- 787 one six nine one and press one like William did. So he's going. You gonna rock with us until you say I gotta go, or until somebody else knocks you off. Okay. Go ahead, Kim. Give us your thoughts. <laughs> okay. First off, happy new year. How y'all doing? Y'all good? Yeah, we're good. Yeah. Ken. Good, 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 good. Yeah. I mean, man, we did that cut like what,
5: maybe four months, maybe four or five months ago.
3: Yeah. And
0: um, you know, I've I've always been you know a, a forward thinker or try to be a forward thinker because one thing I understand is how important anticipation is. And what I've always told people is, you know, people who can anticipate very well are typically the people who make the most money, right? And I liken that a lot of times to, like, sports, right? If you look at the top athletes, your Tom Brady's, your your Deion Sanders, your your running backs, whatever position you play, if you can anticipate, right, that means you're going to outperform everybody else for the most part, right? And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I try to apply that to life, you know, in my, in, in my life. And so with that, I'm always fascinated by technology, right, especially in the time that we live in right now because, you know, technology has always transitioned a uh, 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 time, right? So even when the gun was made, gun the gun was, you know, technology, right? It can liberate mm-hmm. you. It can enslave you. And it changed the dynamic, the car, right? Everything, the train, plane, automobiles, all of this technology, and, you know, it impacted society tremendously when it was created. So now, in our day and time, the biggest one, right, in my opinion, the big. I think this is the biggest one in the history, right, of asset classes, though, currency, because uh, this is a new asset class. And I don't think a new asset class has been created since, shoot, I don't know, I can't. You know, we've always had since I I know since I can remember, but I'm only 45 years old. But you know, we got real estate, we got deal bonds, stock market, we got all of these these asset classes.
7: But this new thing I, I, I would, I would just throw in
0: maybe the Industrial Revolution because that's when the world started having middle class, if you will. You know, it always been yeah. have and have nots prior to the Industrial Revolution, giving people right. kind of access to to a marketplace economy because we were transitioning out 100%. of the agriculture. So I would highlight that maybe say that was the moment where we last had that, just throwing it out real quick. 100%. Sorry. 100%. And I think that word access is key because at the end of the day, what well, all this technology brings is accessibility to the resources or the things that people need in order to transition and be more productive in their lives. Right? And so now they can take their value and they can add that value within the system. And so I think, you know, Bitcoin and you know cryptocurrency and more specifically the blockchain structure, the technology which is blockchain, um, is going to you know allow for that to happen so much so that even the banking system, which is very controlled, I mean we all know how controlled the banking system is. Mm-hmm. Again, again, we always talk about accessibility and the importance. Even going back, I mean it's all it's all related too because even if you go back to the lady who was speaking about you know, um, vaccines, right? It's accessibility to all the other stuff, right, that increases the trust lines so we'll be mm. okay with the vaccine. So that, that ties in, too. But it's accessibility to these things. And when you don't have access and all of a sudden they want to give you access, then, yeah, it's natural to go, well, what about right. yesterday? What about, you know, what about yep. yesterday? Well, you, didn't, you didn't care. You didn't seem to care about me then. Why are you caring about me now? And obviously, you know, it's about trust, and I think you guys said that. But, you know, the, the getting back to blockchain, blockchain is simply about trust also because what it does is it allows, what it allows is it allows banking institutions, number one, they benefit heavily because they're able to scale, kind of like I talked about before, right? So now instead of having a bank on every corner, you can have an exchange on your phone, right? And that exchange allows people who don't have banks, and if you understand the cost of running banks, and, you know, training people and holding cash and all of this different type of thing, it's very, very expensive. And what technology has always done is mm-hmm. reduce costs. That's what technology does. It reduces costs. So typically as you, you know, as you create some great trans- transitioning technology, it's, it's a cost reduction. And so blockchain is exactly the same. Uh, you know, now they can manage it. They can track it. It reduces the cost. It just makes sense. But what a lot of people don't understand, and this is really what I want to get to today to help people understand, there's a difference between what a lot of people are hearing in the mainstream and what the real reality of the power that this is going to bring and why the corporations are so, so in favor of it. And it has to do with two things. It has to do with what I call projects. And a lot of what we get hyped about, and this is how you get people hyped about stuff because people have to have a benefit in order to pay attention. So when you talk about things like Bitcoin and Ethereum and Polkadot and, you know, all of these, these are projects, right? What, what they don't tell you a lot about is what they call stable coins, because what stable coins are are just digital representations of uh, a local currency. So for instance, USDC, which is the USD dollar coin, right, is just a digital representation of the actual fiat dollar, right? And so – What this allows, this is the power. Now, y'all stay with me because this is the power in this. What that allows is a different way of banking in regards to uh, investing in emerging markets because what that allows is what they call pooling. it's It's what they call DeFi, deregulated finance, right, or decentralized, excuse me, decentralized finance. And what decentralized finance means is we all can participate in the investment of emerging markets. That's a different concept. And so when you have that, you have, the ability to, you have the ability to expand across the world. So you can go to, for example, this past year, Bangladesh, right? Who knows anything about Bangladesh? But Bangladesh is one of the fastest growing, right, economies. And Bangladesh has, just like a lot of other countries, they have commodities. They have things that they're really good at. But the problem is nobody can invest in Bangladesh and trust that they can manage that investment If they can see it, they can track it, they can hold Bangladesh accountable, they can charge Bangladesh interest. You can't do that with the system we have now. Now, when you talk about digital currency and you allow more people to play and you pull these people, so me, you, Montoya, um, and anybody else, we can literally, if we have the money, and this is how the rich are going to get richer, and this is the biggest problem that I see between us and the rich folks because the rich get richer, and I'm sure y'all, the rich get richer, the poor get poor, right? So the rich have all the money to invest, and what this will allow is this will allow them to pool their resources. It gives them more trust to pool their resources because they have a system that allows transparency. So now right. Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk, And Putin or whoever, right, they have a system that allows them, right, to go, you know what, I'll work with you now. You know why I'll work with you? Because we have a system that removes the human quality. It's all technology. It's AI. It's algorithms. It's let me clarify that little part right quick, because I'm letting you rock out. Okay. One, it also highlights why I have the smartest audience in all of radio. So let me highlight that. But I want to um, let me say this real quick. When you say um, you can see it now, you're talking about that aspect of being able to watch all transactions, and exactly. and, and, and you know that's an aspect of blockchain where you know you can see mm-hmm. every transaction. So therefore, working together becomes easier. I just wanted to highlight that very briefly. Go ahead and finish your thoughts. One hundred. percent yeah, well, it, it's trust lines, right? It's what they call it it's a term in the term in the space now. They call it trust lines. And trust is the bottom, like in any business, if you've been in any business from top to bottom, whether it's a small business, medium-sized business, large business, key ingredient to any business is trust. You have to have trust if you're working with more than just one person. So if you're going to scale, say you've got a business partner, right, that's why a lot of us, it, you know, it, it kind of goes it shows why we have problems scaling as a black community is because we have problems with trust. And so a lot of times what we do is we trust us, obviously, ourselves, but the problem is who we're going to bring on as a business partner because we have problems with trust. And you have to have trust. You have to have it. So what's going to be sold with this technology, right, and when, you know, the big boys who have always been fighting, when they start to work together, it's because they can trust each other, and removing the human element allows for that trust because people trust the algorithm, unfortunately, unfortunately, People mm-hmm. trust the algorithm more than they trust the human experience. You right. understand what I'm saying? They trust the mm-hmm. machine more than they trust. And that's what's going to be sold to us. Now, you guys aren't seeing this yet, right, but it's coming. All of this regulation, SEC is in. They're suing a lot of these guys because they're setting that regulation. But once that regulation, and this is the ISO 2022, it's a little deep, you know, but it's, some of these stable coins are on what they call ISO 2022. You can write that down and go look it up. So that is basically these coins that have been uh, designated stable coins, very specifically business banking coins um, that have been uh, uh, basically designated to get regulation. So when all of this stuff passes, right, the blockchain is the trust, right, and then the stable coins, right, are the mediation. It's the trade. It's the mm-hmm. thing you trade with on that on that on that on that system. And then the reason why you know Bezos will work with you know, or, 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 or the United States will work with China and China will work with Russia is simply because now everybody's bought into this idea of blockchain. is very transparent. There is no hiding, right? I'll give you an example. Here's an example that you guys can follow that's a, it's kind of lower example that will definitely bring it home to you, right? I don't know if you guys saw Steph Curry recently broke the, you know, the three-point record, mm-hmm. right? But what he did, this is the power of NFTs and non fungible tokens and that's a big one too. But I'm i am I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna bring it home, I'm gonna connect it so you guys understand the power in it. So what Steph Curry did is he took a picture of his shoes that he broke that record in, right? So he took a picture of his shoes. The shoes he was wearing at night. He literally took a JPEG picture, right? And then what he did is there's a platform called Ethereum,
5: right? So this is formed.
0: So that's the Ethereum token as the Ethereum platform, right? So the platform, right, which is a blockchain with smart contracts. And so these smart contracts are very powerful because it's the algorithm. Again, it removes the human. So the trust is there, right? And so the benefit is, so what Steph Curry did is he minted to about 2,239 digital photos. It's what they call minting. So basically, if you take that JPEG,
5: you can mm-hmm. put it on
0: that, that blockchain, and you can mint it. They have what they call gas fees, and you can mint it. And mint it means you stamp it. It gets the stamp of approval that says, this is a original. Right? So he he got 2,239 originals. That means they're very unique. That means there's Mm -hmm. only 2,000 in circulation,
5: which raises
0: the value of those because of the perceived value, which, number one, is Steph Curry. Number two, he just broke the record wearing these shoes. So there's a perceived value to that 2,239 that somebody's going to buy. Matter of fact, they sold out in one day. Now, what did he sell them for? He sold them for $333 a piece, and that was to make a million dollars quick. So overnight, with that, he made $1 million, right? Now, I don't know if one person bought them all, which would have been a great idea. I don't know if multiple people bought them, but they sold out. So now that's on the market. Now, here's the power of the blockchain. Here's the power of it. They have smart contracts. So Steph Curry is able To create a smart contract with that, he has a digital wallet. And in his smart contract, it says that every time one of those gets resold, guess what happens?
3: He gets gets a percentage. He gets a
0: percentage. And that percentage goes to his digital wallet with no human interaction. It's all on the smart contract, the AI who has no emotion, not going to steal from you you don't have to chase it, right? Now, that sounds beautiful, right? That sounds beautiful. So so that gives you the power. So so that example right there, that's what a lot of famous people are doing. They're leveraging their celebrity, they're leveraging their experience, and then they're they're documenting it and then they're calling it art and then they're putting it on a blockchain that allows them to track it, it has a certain value to it. They sell it, over time it goes up because it's very unique and it's very limited, right? That's being done all across Right, it's, it's it's a beautiful thing. Like people are making a lot of people are making a lot of money, right? And so and then they're going to continue to make money. Tory Lanez did that with an album not too long ago. You can go look him right. up. He just released the album. He only made like a million of them. He sold them for a dollar. His fans bought them up, and now they can resell them. So they can actually make money, which is a better experience as a fan with Tory Lanez. I mean, it goes really deep, right? From a marketing perspective, these are the things that we really have to tap into because these things are being created, and they're so significantly transformative. Right, that if you don't understand it or if you don't have the perceived value that the system that's going to be created, it's all about perceived value. And so, the, and so as we continue to go down this road, my, my, my fear is, you know, if we don't understand how to increase our value and adjust, adjust with the technology that's going to baseline people because the value that we think we have or that we've had in the past, It's being reset, and that's always been your labor. Like, what you get paid for, typically what most people get paid for, 90% of the people in the world, I mean in the country at least, they get paid for exchange of labor. Well, we know in five to ten years, we've seen it. We've seen it at grocery stores. We've seen it at, you know, we see it everywhere where the the labor is being replaced by the machine. So the value proposition that we're going to negotiate with in order to get money out of the machine, right, is – it's going to be less and less, which means it's going to be more competitive, right? Which means, and and you can see it's going to art, like art is how a lot of these guys are getting paid now. It's almost weird. It's like it's it's going back to the, what 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 time period was that? Was art was the Renaissance period? Go- the period. Yeah, it's al- yeah, it's almost going back to that. It's funny how technology works like that, right? Very funny, but 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 that's where we're going. So people have to educate themselves on this. So this is what I would say is like. Right now, the advice I give people in terms of where we are, what you should be doing, right today, this is what you should be doing, right. First off, you should be educating yourself because you have to know. If you don't know, it's going to sneak up on you. It's going to be here, and you're not going to understand what happened, right? And that's probably eighty percent of the people. They're not. Or, gonna understand what are you understand. or you can become part of the Mental Dialogue Community Club and get on the mastermind level and hear <laughs> hear William do this all the time. I, I didn't heard all this before, but. Uh, hey, if you ever heard of Clubhouse, he's cooking so hard right now. I'm blowing the whole show up, really just shitting the fuck up. Let me just say what I'm doing right now and let him cook, like they say on Clubhouse. He's cooking right now. Keep cooking, you? Keep cooking, brother. That's so, all so I'm saying. It's, 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 uh, I mean, I could talk all day about this because there's so many, so many examples of how technology is changing the game. I'll, I'll give you guys another example real quick. I'm going to give you this one, right? If you look at the automobile market, I'm in the automobile market right now. Now, what you guys have heard is there's a shortage of chips, right? Nobody asked the question, well, where are all the chips at? I used to work for Intel Corporation. So I know back in 2000, this was like 20 years ago, Intel Corporation had capacity beyond capacity beyond capacity to create chips on demand, right? So that you know, when I hear stuff like that, I go, okay, what's going on? And so um, I don't know if you guys, how old you guys are, but there was this movie called – Uh, 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 It had Michael Keaton in it. It was about the Japanese when they brought the uh, cars in back in the 80s, the Japanese cars. So your Toyotas, your Datsuns, your – I think it was called gung-ho, right? So you might be old enough on to remember that, but it's called gung-ho. And back then, you know, everything goes in cycles. So back then, automobiles came in and Datsun came in. I know you guys remember Datsun, Toyota. Right? Uh what else? Japanese? Uh, 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 uh. They're all in, they're all here now. If you go look at any parking lot, like oh, yeah, absolutely. Of the cars in the parking lot are Japanese cars.
1: Right. Yeah, B- but here's what yeah. happened.
0: Here's what happened. The the American consumer chose those cars, not because of where they were from or who built them. They chose them because of the benefit they got from purchasing those cars. Number one, the price was right. Number two, the car goes three hundred or four hundred thousand miles. Number four, the uh, three, the gas mileage was great, mm-hmm. and number 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 four it's it's easy to repair once it breaks, right? And some of these some of these these other cars are like bro, you got to right like thirty one hundred five and just to fix a water pump or something, right? And so what I see is happening. This is what I see happening because I work in the uh, in the car market now. You know, Montoya. You know, we wrap cars, so we're starting to see these electric vehicles come in, right? And over time, there's more and more electric vehicles. Now, here's the problem, right? And, again, it's about value. You've got to understand where your value is and where the value is shifting to, right? Most of your mechanics today, if you would buy a Tesla and take that Tesla to a mechanic, that mechanic's not going to work on it. He can't work on it. Number one, he can't get the part to fix it, which is if you study what Tesla is doing, right, if you know anything about business controlling your supply chain, is very, very important in terms of not losing money, right? So they create every part that they use in-house. Wow. That's why it's taking them so long to fall out, right? And the reason that is the case, right, is because they want to control They don't want a secondary market. They don't want Joe Blow Mechanic Joe working on that vehicle. What they want you to do is they want you to send that vehicle back to the supply chain. You know, and and you know, and what's crazy is the 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 chips shortage is because all of those chips are going over to emerging markets where the labor is cheaper. Number one, the car, just like in the eighties and the in the nineties, is being built built. Been, been, they've been building EVs for the last ten fifteen years. We just don't see it here in the
7: states. Mm.
1: And so
0: the last thing about that is that's why you're they're not making new cars. So if you notice, if you go buy a new car, you can't get mm-hmm. one. Now, right. so if you go buy a used car, you're gonna pay double the price right now,
7: right? For a used car. So I got,
0: I got, a, I got a car dealership uh, buddy. Right now, he's selling cars. with a, I mean, he's selling seventy thousand miles right for for seventy thousand dollars. You know what I'm saying? Like he's killing, killing it right me. now, right? Mm-hmm. Because of supply and demand. It's, it's basic supply and demand. It's like any other business. Supply and demand. So yeah, used car market's up. People are financing eighty months. Six years on a used car with 70,000 miles. There's another reason why that's happening. If you look at the interest rates, right, the interest rates are what today? Zero. I'm sorry, zero. Yeah. So borrowing money money right now is super easy. It's easy to borrow money. And if you remember the 2008 housing market, why was everybody buying a house? Because it was easy to get a loan. (laughs) It was easy to get oh, along. Yeah, so the cycle, right? yeah, the cycle, yeah, we're looking at the cycle. Hey, let me do this, brother, because I definitely got to take, go take care of my sponsor. Go, oh, hey, go, go ahead, go Yeah, yeah, because, I, again, I just let you cook, man, because, as I say, I, have the, I always tell people I have the smartest audience in radio, and I think you just proved that, and I don't mind for any second, but it's become, becoming the William Agnew show. Uh, you know what right. I mean? So I don't mind that for one well, I, second, don't. No, nah, no, nah, I appreciate you, brother, but I'm gonna, definitely going to take care of the sponsors. We're going to go in a different direction as I play the next cut uh, from one of our top shows, which was um, Love and Hip Hop, How I Lost Ten Years, Chasing Love. So um, that'll be our next cut coming out of this break, man. But um, thank you, man. I, I think I'll be cutting up that and sharing what you just did, because that became the oh, best yeah, of 2022 with what you just did. That's going to definitely make the cut um, for this year. But thank you so much for being on. I'm going to put you on hold for a second sir. as I... Is our um, and I'll bring you back on after the break. You're listening to the Mr. Dollar Live Talk Show. Where All I ask is that you think.
5: Babe,
6: hey, where did you get that hat and T-shirt? I like that.
0: Oh, I got this at MoneyMotivation.com. It's fresh, right?
6: Yes, and I love the message on it too.
7: You are the hustle, huh?
0: That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneur spirit, and what I like the most. It's more than a brand. It's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out.
6: If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong?
0: Or how about this one? Excuses made $0 an hour.
6: I like those. What's their IG?
0: At moneymotivation.co.
6: But do they have any ladies gear?
0: Yes, you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, Pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Everywhere I go, go,
5: and everywhere I be, be, I don't even talk, talk, they still go with me. Cause I look like money, smell like money, talk like money, even walk like
0: money. Yeah, Jordan Peterson talked about, um, in a sense, why we as humans do that. And yeah, you're definitely given the background and the environment that, you know, that in a sense adds to it and you've seen it. Uh, but what he ends up saying is um, a lot of times, especially if if your parent, in a sense, whether one or both of your parents, whatever, express some sentiments of dysfunction in this manner. So, you're, you know, your parents are supposed to provide for you, uh, but to a degree some of their own um dysfunction when it comes to relationships can play out with you as a child. And so what happens is um, what he says is the psychology of it is you familiarize that dysfunction as love, and so that's why you will hear the guy, as he said in there, he thinks that she loves hard. And, And if it wasn't clear the context, they actually had gotten into a fight. Um, the two ladies over him prior to that cut just to give a little more backdrop. And so uh, you start to familiarize that, that those type of dysfunction was love. And so when somebody comes along, quote unquote, you know, I'll say, you know, as a man, the nice guy, um, it doesn't appear to be love because it's unfamiliar. So you actually will resort and go back to what's familiar. Versus someone who's actually coming at you functionally, because that doesn't appear to be, doesn't have the, you know, in a, you know, in a sense, um, um, you know, what you're used to. I know I found for myself. Uh, um, speaking of, you know, how, how you said, Stephanie, that it was dysfunctional that I treated, you know, the ones that it wasn't my girlfriends one way, and then treated my girlfriend another way. The funny thing is. Um, the first sister that, be, in a, the sister that became my g- girlfriend in college, um, I had kind of dealt with her on the first level for a couple of years. And when I finally, in a sense, trusted her enough to actually get in a relationship, if you will, you know, that's when I poured it on. And she used to constantly, one of the running jokes while we were together was, this is just all the money I used to spend on you the first two years. Like, so don't, you ain't doing nothing. Like, that's what she used to literally say because I would do wonderful things for her once I quote-unquote trusted her. However, what I found, even in eventually choosing her over time, um, and given what I just said as an example, what I had come to understand in a sense as a sense of love was I had this idea of, of innocence. Helping someone out of their situation or saving them, and so based on, in a sense, a lot of the dysfunction that was in her life, I eventually moved in her life with the idea of "quote unquote" saving her, which is what you know goes against everything you're told in hip hop, right? And um, and part, but again, because it went against what I was told in hip hop, I took two years to date her, whereas I had those feelings probably a year and a half in, but I was too damage to to own up to it. Like she was saying, Let's get serious and I was like I was literally saying, No, no, I'm not getting serious, holding on to this ain't this ain't what quote unquote players do. They don't get serious. And I was even going as far as telling her to in a sense, date another guy that I that I in a sense that I had heard about or knew that was after it I was like, Well he he's gonna be better for you than me I literally was telling her that. And unfortunately, she dated that guy, and he was abusive. Now, I've never been abusive to a woman, you know, in, in, you know, in that sense. But I was holding to this persona, and then eventually, I finally gave in, and, and and still, years later, realized I was trying to save one who, someone who had been through much much more damage and much more dysfunction than I had ever experienced, and so because of that familiarity. And so when we talk about chasing love in the days time, if we never see it correctly, if we don't come to recognize it, we can do that for a lifetime. Any thoughts on that,
7: um, Stefana?
5: I would say, oh, go ahead.
8: Whew. you said a lot, um, and I've said this before, you know, in you know private conversations. We're used to trauma. Trauma familiar, right? You understand how it moves. Um, you understand how I operate. So with that, it's no surprises. So we get comfortable in our trauma. Um, and that's what we look for in relationships. That's why you see so many women with this whole ride or die concept because they understand that, right? They understand what a dude that really doesn't care or isn't really doing all that he should because he has quote-unquote potential. So with that potential, it leads to dysfunction and it leads to traumatic experiences that we get comfortable in being in, not realizing that's what it is. And so we go from one relationship to the next because you're like, hey, I've been in that type of relationship before. I get that. I know where he's going to do. I know how this is going to go. But hopefully this time it will be better because I can change him or I can see the potential in him and if he sees how much I'm willing to quote unquote ride for him, then he will change. Again, just repeating the cycle of dysfunction and, you know, toxic and traumatic relationships.
0: Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Ashley Thomas. We also got brother William Agnew, who pretty much blasts through the last couple of segments. Killing the game when we did the cut from um, Thoughtful Rant again. This is the best of Mental Dialogue. Did you hear the best of Mental Dialogue 2021? And he had a a profound cut on one of our Thoughtful Rant series in reference to Elon Musk. And he's just further expounded on it. So hopefully you're not just now tuning in and missing it and miss what he had to say. Um, But this brother is still our co-host until he leaves or until you call in at 646-787-1691. Again, that's 646 787-1691. Seven eight seven one six nine one. You have to press one to knock him out of the co-host position. So we definitely changed directions. I'm pretty sure that's quite difficult for you, uh, Ashley. Uh, being a finance person, I'm pretty sure you had a whole lot to say about what William um, <laughs> basically just broke down on the last segment, but we are changing directions. Um, and our, one of our top most listened to shows last year was Love and Hip Hop, How I Lost a Decade, Chasing Love, and I singled in on the dysfunctional, aspect of how we often chase dysfunction because it's familiar versus healthy love is pretty much what I highlighted from that show as it was one of our top this is two shows. So hearing that cut, Ashley what are your first thoughts?
2: Oh man. So I think my first thought was like making sure everybody knew like trauma is just your emotional response to something that happens, right? And oftentimes, like, trauma is referred to as the negative things that happen. And we see it play out time and time again. I mean, it's part of the stereotypes that get pushed in our movies. Um, it, it, it's us thinking that what we've seen from our parents, what we've seen from our family, our friends, you know, we we make these assumptions, especially when we're younger, that what we see is the truth or, like, this is how it's done, right? So. When you get into these relationships and you have not learned that this is not healthy or you can't recognize that there is a better way that you can be doing this, you repeat the cycle, right? And, and the thing that is so disheartening is that if you, if you are used to very traumatic situations, you have established or created a threshold where you can take so much more than somebody else would. And this is why it's important that we're going to therapy, that we're having conversations within our community, because we have to be able to point out traumatic events. We have to be able to point out these things that are not healthy, these unhealthy patterns, a lot of them which we learn when we're younger, and we don't even realize. that we have to dig that stuff up, because otherwise we're just going to be in a situation where, we don't even recognize that there's a pattern, and we're just keeping it going. We're keeping that cycle active because we're unaware that there is a healthier way to do it. This is why we have to have these conversations so that we can call out traumatic events or we can call out unhealthy patterns so that people are creating the awareness. And when you have the awareness, you have more opportunities, and you literally create new ways of doing something and breaking cycles. That's, that's what I talk about. When I'm saying being a generational curse breaker is when you can identify that this is not healthy the way that, you know, I tried to show my love or the way that I'm receiving love. These things are not healthy, and now I need to find another way to do it so that I have another option. I can respond a different way. I can break this pattern, and then if you have kids or nieces and nephews, you create another option for them too, but it's it's definitely very prevalent. Um, Across our society and within our community, just so many unhealthy things that we've seen that we really have to break in order for us to have healthier relationships and better relationships, not only with others, but with ourselves. No,
0: absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we're running right into another break. Still got William on as our co-host, so we're going to go right into the next break. Again, we're just catching up a little bit. Got to take care of the sponsors, and it's going to be another cut from another one of our shows, which was um, parenting skills when doing your best is not enough, and uh, hopefully I'll get both of your thoughts on this cut coming out of this break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. If you're looking to purchase or sell a home in Atlanta's competitive real estate market, there's only one real estate agent we call on, Elfram Abdullah. Not only is he honest and straightforward, but he has a proven repeatable strategy that consistently gets his clients the homes they wanted versus their second or third choice. What's Elfram's secret? His virtual on-the-spot offer moves his clients to the front of the line for purchases. And for sales, his no-nonsense approach gets your home sold and off the market. For a results-oriented real estate experience, contact Ephraim Abdullah, a licensed agent powered by eXp Realty, at 770-800-7922. Again, that number is 770-800-7922.
8: The difference between discipline and punishment, I agree. Um, what would you say might be a good way to reconcile those two ideas? Like, what what... Might be some strategies that parents could use to think about their idea of disciplining effectively, so that we raise kids that are disciplined and you know have good coping skills versus just punishment.
0: Marilyn, thank you for that great question, Leah.
8: Awesome question. So,
9: Montaya, is it okay if I um if I
0: my answer is okay. yes, no matter what you say right now. So go ahead, sweetie.
9: Okay. So, um, you know, if you guys, and I don't know who's out there, but anyone can follow me on Instagram as the peaceful black mama, but um, and all other platforms as well. But I write often and share my thoughts on things like this all the time. So here's something that I think may be helpful to you. You can ask any other questions. Um, But I say many parents or adults say they want discipline in their children when what they really want is obedience. So they yell, hit, scare, punish, shame, and defeat them into blind compliance. Discipline needs time. Obedience is fast. Discipline requires patience. Obedience is instant gratification. Discipline is challenging. Obedience is easy. In order to develop discipline, children need a certain level of skill in critical thinking and understanding, which varies based on age and developmental stage. They need certain kinds of experiences and a certain level of freedom to express themselves, ask questions, push boundaries, and make mistakes. Most of all, they need an example. The truth is that many of us as parents do not even possess within ourselves the kind of discipline required to raise disciplined children. We are impatient, quick to anger, poor listeners, poor communicators, lacking in empathy and compassion, insecure, easily triggered and take everything personally and unwilling to grow. So we default to demanding blind obedience because it's easier and makes us feel more powerful. We don't want to answer difficult questions or any questions at all or feel that our authority is being challenged or being embarrassed in any way, even if it means snuffing out our children's confidence or stunting their growth. Keep in mind that obedience does have its place in the parent-child relationship, That place is trust. Our children should willingly obey us because they trust that our requests are rooted in their best interests through love, respect, compassion, understanding, and healthy communication. Obedience rooted in trust and not fear simply lays the groundwork and keeps children safe while they develop discipline. Choose trust. And that's basically what I'll say, is choose
0: trust. And in the way that you interact... Without the Mike, the show is now over. Everybody's got exactly what yeah. they need to be the greatest parent ever going forward. Uh, now just to, let me say this. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. This morning's discussion question, did you hear the best of Mental Dialogue 2021? Again, a cut from uh, one of our top shows, Listen to shows, Parenting Skills, when your best is not enough. Uh, we had Behavior Therapist Marilyn O'Dwini on, and she's actually on the line, so I'm going to voluntarily knock William off and bring her on. Um, she may have a little one with her in the background. We've done a show with her little one on the show before, so if you hear some background noise, hopefully she can handle this moment, but I'm so glad to have her before I bring her on. As usual, ask your thoughts in hearing that cut from parenting skills when your best isn't good enough. Your thoughts, Queen, before I bring Marilyn on.
2: Man, it is so true. I, I I think the thing that is so amazing about where we are right now in terms of education and creating awareness or realizing that some of the things that how we were disciplined or, like, there, it can be done differently, right? You can achieve the same results. You can create fantastic relationships with your children just by taking a different approach, like how our parents did it, or what they knew or the lack of what they knew is not the only way, right? Like you have to find different approaches like Mm -hmm. these kids need an approach that isn't about strict obedience and taking away their autonomy because it does negatively impact you as an adult. There are so many people, especially like I'm a millennial, there are so many millennials where we're talking about and having these conversations about how our parents did X, Y, and Z, and it has turned into manifesting in our relationships and showing us where we're lacking as an adult. And like being able to have those conversations are so important and being able to, get ahead of the curve, and just create a different future for your children just by um, having different conversations or taking different approaches, like how much better will our future generations be because they trust people, they're doing things because they want to, because they have autonomy over their body instead of being forced into these positions and, and having to deal with traumas and issues that are getting addressed as you get into adulthood versus being ahead of it and and taking a different approach to raise um, more emotionally aware and self-aware children, like ah, phenomenal cut.
1: Hey,
0: that's what we do here. We have the hard conversations on race, sex, and culture. We remind people you can't act right if you don't think right. Mental dialogue. All I ask is that what? you think, Marilyn. Um, green. Amazing cut. As you see, I highlighted it. One of our top list of two shows. You know, again, I let you know that, hey, one of you, you know, we're going to highlight you as well. So I'm throwing you on the air. Hopefully you can, you know, got a quick moment. You ain't got to make it long. uh, But I just wanted to say thank you for an amazing cut. Thank you for always being available when we reach out to you as one of our experts, because that's what we like to do. We try to bring people who are vetted and in our community sincerely to our community so thank you again Queen for just being a part of what we do and your thoughts on your own cut if you will
9: Uh, it's a pleasure thank you so much Um, hopefully we get enough of a quiet moment she's Kind of chill right now, so, so. okay.
0: Hey we, hey, we love having the babies on the show. We love, hey, Black Socrates loves the kids, loves the you kids. Know, like. And I appreciate that because a lot of times
9: in my spaces, I try to you know you know we're parents and I try to make sure that people feel, feel comfortable whether they have children in the background or you know whatever you have going on. That's family life, and I appreciate that you have that same mindset and you know make it a space where everyone can, can, can come in and share and not feel like they have to have the perfect environment because family life is not perfect, you know. Um, so definitely I, I'm really happy that you um, chose that particular cut because it's been one of the more impactful ones, the ones that I've gotten a lot of uh, people reaching out to me about. But absolutely, I think that, you know, another thing that I tend to talk about a lot is the fact that we want our children to grow up to be free people, you know, um, and people who are empowered in their thinking and their ability to, um, you know, navigate through life. But in the way that we're raising them a lot of the times and in the way that a lot of us were raised, um, it it was that very upbringing that kind of squashed, you know, our ability to think freely and to think for ourselves and act on our higher instincts. Because when we did act on those higher, more courageous instincts, it was shut down. We um, was seen as disrespect. And I understand that uh, if you take it back historically, a lot of what our parents were dealing with, um, I'll say, is the post-traumatic slave syndrome. Yeah. You know, there were times when it was actually, you know, dangerous for you to allow your black child to have too much freedom in their expression, because if they went and did that around master or whoever, that could get them killed. You know, so mm-hmm. it was necessary. You know, to an extent in our history, for us to you know force our children into this kind of compliance and obedience, but that's not where we are anymore. The kinds of mm-hmm. of characteristics that we want our children to have require these very challenges and these very types of freedom, and for them. And so, a lot of times, we want our children to be you know independent, thinking, you know, free people, as long as not with us you know, because that (laughs) pushes too many of our buttons and triggers us in too many Mm -hmm. ways. And so I think it's a really important conversation to have. Uh, So, you know, just thank you again for for sharing. that. And if you don't mind, if you have a minute for me to just share a brief experience that we had recently in my household. My daughter is 16, and we just moved to Philly, and she's been taking an art class here. And in her class, she was the, you know, newest person there. Um, A lot of the students were complaining about the instructor that – he was very kind of like passive-aggressive towards them and condescending and didn't treat them with, you know, a level of respect, and they didn't feel comfortable around him or ask him certain kinds of questions because he would make them feel like they were stupid questions, you know, or they were
7: having stupid mm-hmm.
9: um, conversations. So my daughter was really um, bothered by it. And while a lot of her classmates were, you know, they they were just kind of and bearing it and getting through it. Um, once she kind of realized that it would bother so many other people, she kind of came to me and told me, and she talked to other people as well, um, what she was concerned about. And within um, a short time after our conversation, she actually went to the teacher. She actually got <laughs> her off office class an hour early. She went to the teacher, pulled him aside, and told him that she didn't think that he was creating a conducive environment for you know, Wow. They were afraid to communicate with him, you know? And I love it. it. Yeah. <laughs> and
1: I know so you were
7: so proud of her. But <laughs> me try to cut you <laughs> off, but right, let's figure out <laughs> your 16-year-old daughter. You <laughs> know <laughs> what I mean? Checking
4: this, this <laughs> raggedy-ass
9: <laughs> teacher. You feel me? <laughs> I'm telling you, I was so proud of her. But that's the kind of, that you know, we want our children to be the kind of people that are speak out for themselves and for others. These other children didn't feel like they had a voice, mm-hmm. but she used hers to stand up for everybody else you know, and it changed me, you know, he actually
0: thanked her for bringing up the session. some people don't know when they're no. being you know, you know. No, you know? <laughs> and so, no. You which is a tribute, I mean, I'm not shocked to mm-hmm. 100%, again, just a little, you know, what I know of you, um, so I'm not yeah. shocked to hear that, one, your daughter would do it, and to hear that the results, because what, people typically are defensive, especially being checked by on a student, right, a young student, yeah. but she clearly communicated yeah. in a way in which he appreciated it. So thank you so yeah. much. I got somebody that's trying to another co-host trying to knock you off, Queen. But just thank you for making time. Yeah, <laughs> we thank love you. The children in the background. Yeah, we ain't we ain't trying to be the perfect sounding show. We're just trying to get people the information <laughs> that they need to just get you a little seed that you can take, think about, contemplate, and hopefully grow it in your life. That's all we're doing every Saturday morning. So thank you, Queen, for being available. All right. Thank you. Uh, absolutely. Zero um, four eight. I'm gonna play a, a, another commercial. I gotta get, take care of my sponsor. That's how I'm on the air. Unless y'all individually want to go to mentaldialog.com and 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 hold me up because we do make we do have you can you can pledge. We have. Membership levels, $9 a month, $19 a month, and $49 a month. But you can pledge anything. You can pledge $5. I'll take it. We consider our Mental Dialogue supporters outside of Atlanta at the $5 level. They get the same privileges, our regular $9 a month membership. But go to MentalDialog.com and keep Intelligent Radio on the air. Let me take care of this commercial and get our next co-host on. Ashley will be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show where all I ask is that you think are you intimidated by money why well, this is a question most people never think to ask themselves but when forced to think about it many people realize they have unrecognized fears that truly affect how they deal with money if you want to learn more about money and the fears that keep you from prosperity join us for making money matter Money, where money meets mental health personal finance coach, Ashley Thomas, and psychotherapist, Dr. Katrina Pitt. Every second Monday of the month, find out if you're intimidated by money and what to do about it. To receive a link to this free Zoom event, please DM the Make It Money Matter or the Mentor Dialogue Instagram pages or contact 404-604-9477. LNG Technology Services, we are your industry leader in aircraft and heavy equipment repair services. In commercial business, for over 15 years, LNG technicians have over 150 years of equipment-specific knowledge and are known industry-wide for returning worn-out, broken, and overused ground support equipment back to the user in working better than new conditions. For a service job done right at a value unparalleled in the industry, contact LNG Technology Services at 478 781 Four eight six zero. Again, for a service job done right, that number is four seven eight seven eight one four eight six zero. LNG Technologies is a Mental Dialogue Gold Member and proud sponsor of the Mental Dialogue community. Think about what I what
7: I will say is that particular post got over, I believe, six hundred shares. So I went through all the shares and. It confirmed it over and over again. A lot of the posters were saying, yeah, you know what, now that I think about it, every time a man has told me how he lost his virginity, it was always with an adult woman while he was a minor. So we know that this is a very common thing. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if most men uh, lost their virginity to a woman that was much older uh, than him while he was a minor. So we know that this is a very common thing. So those men don't talk about it. They don't talk about it because they don't – most of them don't identify it as something that was traumatic. Uh, So they just keep it – they just don't talk about it. But what you don't talk about comes to the surface in another way. So when you see these uh, uh, older men messing around with minors, underage uh, women, so that's, uh, uh, you know, under the age of uh, 17 – 17 and younger, where is that coming from? Where's that, where, where, where in his psychology did he learn that that was appropriate and that that's okay? Um, so I'm, I'm sure there's some sort of correlation between the two, between uh, a boy being exposed to sex by an older woman too early and uh, a man feeling like it's also okay to do that to a minor uh, as well, to expose her to sex. Too early. There's some sort of correlation there. We might need to get a therapist online at some point, right, right. but uh, I'm willing to bet that there's a correlation between uh both of those.
0: Nah, I just I really appreciate that thought so much, brother. Because here I am, 48, and had never thought about. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host Montoya Smith, aka Black Socrates, along with Queens of Intellect cadre member. Ashley Thomas holding me down for this morning's discussion. Did you hear the best of Mental Dialogue 2021? Okay, Ashley, I cheated right there. That actual cut comes from my new, I figure since we're talking about the best of, it's not actually from the Mental Dialogue talk show, but from my new live interactive rapid fire video Every video show, Just My Three Cents, I also have a book by the name of Just My Three Cents, and I would like to highlight um, not only the brother Eli Marcus who drove as a guest on that show, that show people could just pop up and join on, join in on. So I told him I was going to be using his words, and luckily he popped up on the show, and due to his influence, actually drove it to the most listened to show I've ever had in the history of doing radio or video podcasting. So that is actually my number one show of all time, and we did that show just about two to three weeks ago. Again, partly due to his influence because Eli has an amazing following, Uh, but on that show we were talking about grown women and sex with boys, which was coming off of that um, situation with the teacher in Florida that was um, getting charged with having, you know, sex with someone that was relative. She was like 21 herself, if you will. So that was that dialogue. But it was an opportunity also to let listeners over here remind them or let them know I have the Just My Three Cents live video active podcast, um, the podcast on Wednesday nights. I do that on Facebook live as well as on the Mental Dialogue YouTube page live. You can also join that one just like you can here. So your thoughts on that before we bring on our new co-host as well, um, Ashley, and hearing those thoughts from the Just My Three Cents podcast.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's it's so sad. I, I, I think this is like one of the areas where a lot of when you talk about protecting black men and, and just justing about their experience, I feel like this is definitely a conversation that needs more light shined on it. Um, and just how predatory um and and even the lack of sexual knowledge you know t- to the extent of knowing like this is right and this is wrong, and that being upheld upheld within our community and not something where we're turning it around and and taking this innocence from our our black boys and promoting it as you know, something greater than what it is. Like, these are still children. They still need to be protected. Uh, and it's a conversation that needs to be had more in our community because it's not a rite of passage or, you know, when these things are happening to our, our black boys. Like, they need to be protected, and we need to be having the conversation to shine that on our our black boys and how that impacts our black men and how it plays into the bigger picture of, like, how relationships happen between black men and black women, right? It is a cycle, and we have to be addressing it at all the steps to make sure that our community is moving in the right direction,
0: yeah, well, you know, and that's what we do we We have those shows again, just keep in mind if any if it's your first time listening, uh again, these are just cuts from the complete dialogue, so make sure that you are going to um and and i, and I sometimes I, don't, I do a bad job of this we are on spotify we are on apple podcast i just have oh, to play that commercial this morning or whatever but just know that you're just hearing cuts from full out dialogue that we have now i will say for the just my three six podcast it's only a it's a 30 40 minute rapid fire show so we're not able to go as in depth as we are to every, you know as we are able to go every saturday um even today we're just highlighting just Amazing cuts—the ones that people, you, the listeners, you, the viewers, have driven to our top shows—and we wanted to highlight them. We actually lost um zero four eight, so I'm gonna um, jump William back in here real quick. He always has a lot of beautiful things to say, even though we're in a completely different direction uh, with him being this amazing businessman. But William can talk on a lot of subjects as well. So you was out there floating. I'm just pulling you up. I know you've been you're willing to come on the show pretty much at any time. So, uh, William, any thoughts about what you're hearing? Again, just appreciate you being a platinum level member. If I can highlight that again, go support and keep Intelligent Radio on the air. William has been a longtime supporter. We've linked him up with plenty of people. I got a listener that wants to link up with you, William. Heads up, I'll be talk to you about that after the show. But encourage you, don't just listen. Keep this on the air. It's not free for me to be on the internet. Believe it or not. Go ahead, King. Well, a couple of, uh, a couple of cuts where the lady who was talking about raising children and um, uh, the right way, and, you know, the word trust, you know, came up, and I had talked about trust, mm-hmm. and trust is so important, right, in every aspect. So the fact that she ended that beautifully written, um, you know, whatever it was, I don't know if it was a speech or a dissertation or I'm whatever it was. It was post on social media. Yeah, it was a post on social media. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. a post. That that thing was so eloquently um it hit. It hit like 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 if if you're a person, that it's hard to understand. That was easy to understand. That the trust in regards to raising children the right way is so important, and I can even account for that from my my personal experience. Is you know you just got to show up at the end of the day. Kids learn what I've what I've seen in, in my experience is the best teacher of behavior is the example. You know what I'm saying. And the problem we have, I think, in society is. You know, we give so much time away <laughs> to other things. So even if we love our children, we give so much time. You know, I saw this, this quote by Cat Williams. It was, it was kind of a, a funny quote, but it was like, they tell you you got 24 hours in a day, but what about night? I think you posted this, Montoya. Was yeah, like, you got yeah, 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 Give me my credit. <laughs> hey, the social t- media page <laughs> be doing this stuff, uh, too. It ain't, the show. Right? it ain't just the show. It ain't just the show. Follow us on social that's media. That's the saying. IG page. Go ahead and give them the quote, brother, <laughs> that you found on the mental dialogue, IG, and Facebook Give yeah. me what you got I got it, I got it from uh, I think I got it from my IG, your IG, and mental dialogue. But, you know, it was it was, uh, it was Cat Williams, and it said, you know, you know Cat Williams. You know Cat Williams. You know he was saying this in a funny way. But he was like, you know, they tell you you got 24 hours in a day, but what about night? Right? It, mm-hmm. He said if they knew you only had, if they told you you only had 12 hours, you knew you wouldn't give away eight. You know what I'm saying? And that, that hit, like, hard because that's exactly what it is. We don't spend enough time building that trust and leading by the example, the behavioral example. Because kids learn. If you know anything about kids, if you had kids, you've been around kids, kids do what you do more than what you say. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. the example that I've seen, and I've always been one of these guys. You know where I want my time. I work for my time. Like, I grind for my time because I know how precious that is. I got little girls and babies and you know what I'm saying? To me, I got to build that trust with them, and I have to spend time with them in order for them to trust my behavior so they can use that as an example. So when they get in those
7: situations, like,
0: like the lady was talking about in the next cut, right, her 16-year-old daughter, right, she got that from her mother's behavior. Her mother's showing her how to engage, how to uh, identify. You know, her mother showed her that more than anything through behavior. And so when she got into that situation, she was able to replicate what she had seen. And so that's trust, that's trusting that what her mother does is the right thing. And so all she did was replicate it what her mother does. And so for me I think that's that's a big one. And then this last guy, you know, with the uh I can attest to that too. My first experience is to be, you know, you know, transparent is with, with older older woman. She wasn't that much older than me. I was I think I was sixteen, she was like nineteen, but you know, at that age, that's a that's a that's a big <laughs> That's yeah, a big yeah, difference, you know what I'm saying? An experienced 19-year-old versus a 16-year-old who's a virgin, that's, you know, that's a big difference. Um, But, you know, it didn't lead me down the path of wanting to date younger girls. As a matter of fact, it was just the opposite. I've always been attracted to older women, you know, simply because I think of that. And, you know, I've been one of those people that recognize that, too. Usually people like what their first experience is. That's kind of what they cater to. Mm-hmm. In most cases, that's what I've seen. Like, if you dated a light-skinned girl first, you probably kind of favor light-skinned girls. Or if you dated a dark-skinned guy, you kind of favor dark-skinned guys, it's typically. You know, and I'm not yeah, if the, always Yeah, cases, if, yeah, yeah. You're saying if that experience was good because, unfortunately, a lot of times, you know, I'll say for a lot of ladies, that yeah. first experience is not good. So you might go the opposite. <laughs> now, that's I think it's a very, you might fair to opposite yeah, possible. Yeah, 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 Thank process. you for that. We got a few minutes. I'm going I'm to I'm I'm sneak somebody in on these last few minutes because I got a, okay. a number here. Yeah, I don't okay. know. I'm just listening. But yeah, bro. Yeah. No, no, no. You can bring in when you bro. want to. I'm just
1: listening. Nah, yeah, no, no, absolutely.
0: Yo, we only got a few minutes. I'm going to extend this show not for dialogue. I want to share what Ashley does to the T because she's, again, she's amazing with finance. Um, but I'm going to sneak somebody in. I'm going to give them one minute. Um, I don't know your number. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion. you got one full minute. I know there's not a lot of time, but we are at the near the end of the show. But thank you for listening, and give us your three cents this hey. morning. Go ahead.
9: Hey, Hotep Kenyatta calling. Hope you all have a good 2022 AD. Of course, humanity is over 200,000 years old. Um, we can teach our children by our example, but since we don't know everything and have everything, very often we have to depend on examples of others in other businesses and educational socioeconomic levels which is where the problem comes in because many of our black brown people on the top don't set a good example but our kids often see them as the athletes and the celebrities and hopefully for 2022 we can continue to build our own i've been blocked often on blog talk my own shows just for speaking candidly so maybe we can start to develop all our own stuff. Then they can't just abuse us and still make money off us. Thanks so much, Amanla Ashe Hotep. Under 60 minutes,
0: y'all. Man, 60 you did seconds. it. I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, no, nah, you're, nah, you're perfect. Nah, good, good, hey, that was a perfect timing. All right, thanks a lot, King, for jumping in with us. Uh, we got a couple of minutes. Actually, I'm going to... Um, um set up um the extended period which is really just you talking about building wealth and, 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 and through via life insurance is a cut that you may you actually just called in I think and made this So you may have been on the show. But either way, um before we go, let's highlight we got two minutes so let's make it quick. Highlight making money matters um, on January the tenth, upcoming, what that's about. And, again, we we are a resource. We're not just a talk show every Saturday morning. This is why you should become a supporter at mentaldialogue.com. Ashley has been a member of the club for a long time. All right, Queen, if you will, close us out.
2: Yeah, so if, if you have been wondering about, like, why your money is not working the way that you want it to, you're in the same spot that you've been in. Uh, you should probably hop on our calls on the second Monday of the month. January 10th, we'll be having the conversation with Dr. Katrina Pittman. Uh, and it's really about taking a look at your finances, not just for the numbers and not just for a budget, but also What's going on mentally that is impacting how you're managing your money, how you can identify the scenarios that we're bringing up, things that you can be using to overcome those situations and just put yourself in a better situation, right? Being in control of your finances and your emotional state as well and how that will positively impact your life. We talk about everything. You have the ability to ask questions and really hear from professionals how you can overcome, how you can manage these things. And we would love for you to join the conversation and to see your finances improve and for you to meet the goals that you have or haven't even pursued yet. So, yeah, it's a good conversation. If you missed the first one, you don't want to miss any other ones because we've been having really good conversations about money and mental health.
0: Yep, and I'll say to highlight the membership once again, all of our members automatically get the link. It is a free event um, that we actually – let me shout out um, to The Bridge, one of our – we actually have a sponsor for this event because we – For all of you, but if you are a member, you get all of the Zoom links automatically. Otherwise, you have to follow us and DM us for the links. But we'll see y'all next Saturday. Here's an extended cut so you really understand what Ashley is all about. just thought it was an appropriate way to end the best of Mental Dialogue 2021 with an amazing cut from Ashley Thomas, one of our Queens of Intellect member. See y'all next Saturday. All I ask is that you think. We're talking about the... Parties this morning's discussion question: What should be the top three priorities for the African American community? I am fortunate enough to have one of one of our Queens of Black members, um, Ashley Thomas, and she's going to hold me down at least for a couple of seconds before she go get her toes done. And um, she's the perfect person to talk to about that overall concept. So I mentioned Harvey Ackling, one of our longtime financial advisors, helping out the community. He said, "Hey, once he learned that, he stayed committed to teaching our community about the type." of life insurance that allows them to really functionally create generational wealth at the first generation's death. That sounds maybe weird if you don't understand it as a culture, but for cultures that do, they prioritize life insurance, knowing that that's a huge benefit and a ground of money that can come to them generationally if they sacrifice to do so. Your thoughts in hearing that concept? Um, Ashley, again, I know you know all about it, but, you know, in a sense, introducing it to our community to think more about it in that manner. Your
5: thoughts, Queen?
6: Yeah. So I, I feel like it really comes down to that we have not seen um, how that can be beneficial, a lot of us. Um, in my personal experience, uh, my grandmother passed away. She had a policy. It lapsed. It was only like $27,000. It wasn't a lot. You know, but when you talk about final expenses to prepare for her body and then giving that money according to her will, like money went to her kids, money went to cover her expenses, and that was it. All the money is gone. Um, Life insurance is such an amazing vehicle because what it does is you are determining how much money you want to leave for other people, right? And so um, when you have children, when you have a spouse, you have to be considering the weight that you pull in those relationships or situations so that you can determine like, hey, if I pass away right now, my child is 10 years old, like they're going to miss out on, you know, if, if the conversation you've had with your child is there, they want to go to college. Um, You know, you're missing out on eight years of financial support that that child will not have. So whatever money you make right now, you need to make sure that your child has it for at least the next eight years, right? And then you have to consider what financial support is your spouse receiving or your partner, whoever it is. If if you have a parent that you're also taking care of, what type of support are they receiving from you and keeping those numbers into account. Because what life insurance is doing, you are paying um, for that money to be paid out to your beneficiaries, the recipients, who's going to receive it. So if you purchase a $1 million policy that they will receive tax-free, you are essentially setting them up to not even have to worry about half of the things that you worried about when you were in college or something like that or when you started working because you are receiving that money. Like how much would you change your, your child's life, your partner's life, your friend's life, um, a family member, your parent, how much would their life change if you were able to give them tax? free the money that they relied on or the money that you just wanted to give them without any concerns. And and that's what life insurance does. It makes sure that you are continuing to provide the support that you're doing right now to the people that matter most to you or even to the organizations, right, because you can leave life insurance proceeds um, to charitable organizations or companies and things like that. So it just gives you the ability to have people coming after you at a better position than you did and life insurance is very flexible Um, the the most common things that you'll hear about are term versus whole life and term is exactly what it means you are buying life insurance for a set amount of time so for transparency on my end I have a 20 year I think it's a 20 year term life policy And I have a writer on my policy, uh, something in the background that says, I can convert my policy to a whole life policy within the first 10 years. And so what my term policy does is it says, I'm going to have X amount of dollars that get paid out if I pass in these 20 years. I did it that way because I kind of thought about my age and where I'm at, when I'll be coming up Mm -hmm. to retirement. Mm -hmm. You know, like those are the considerations you have to make. It's term because it's generally more affordable because you're not having it for your whole life, which whole life, that's what it means, right? Um, You are Mm -hmm. going to pay this premium until the day that you die. So that that policy is available whereas after those 20 years if i don't convert my policy to a whole life policy i won't have life insurance after those 20 years but it's more affordable so when i looked at a whole life policy they were talking about thirty five hundred dollars a year for me to pay and i was like oh my budget can't afford that but my term life policy is five hundred and forty seven dollars for the year I can handle that financially and so now I have my mom and my cousins as beneficiaries I want to buy a home in the future so I've been thinking about how much is the home that I want to purchase how much do I need my life insurance to cover I'm going to have property taxes for as long as I have that property right these are all considerations you have to be making about that insurance policy who do you want it to protect and like how much protection are they going to need and if you have a home if you have a car and you're not thinking about what it will cost for someone that you love to come in and take care of those things, you're doing a disservice to them, right? And, like, you have the ability to set up protection so that your home is paid off, so that it can be a generational asset, right? Now you don't have a cousin or a sister or a brother worrying about how they're going to pay for rent expenses because your home is paid off, and the proceeds from your life insurance are going to continue to pay the property taxes, whereas Whole life insurance is a whole nother opportunity. You still get the protection for your entire life as long as you pay those premiums, but whole life insurance builds cash value. So while your policy, let's say, might be for $100,000, at some point the amount that you're paying for that insurance is going to start generating um, Earnings, right? You can kind—it's—it's it's making money for you, and you can start taking that money out of the policy. That's why so many people like whole life insurance. But you have to weigh financially this whole life work or not. But the ability to be able to give people a lump sum of money, tax free. What happens if you—if your child is 18 and you pass away, and now they're about to go into college? Most people, on average, their credit, the um, their debt from college is about thirty thousand some odd dollars, and that's something that you're supposed to be paying off for ten years, you know, in order for it to be within the time period for the payments that they give. Or you could be on an income plan, and they don't forgive your balance until after twenty five years. Do you really want your child to be paying on student loans for twenty five years when you could have a life insurance policy for? Five hundred thousand, or two hundred thousand, or a hundred thousand, that would outright cover their expenses for college, and still give them money for a down payment for a property, or to be able to buy a car, or that's what life insurance does. And when you talk about um, a larger policy, one million or four million dollars. How differently would your life be, the rest of your family's life be, if they could receive $4 million outright? There is no concern that they would have to have. The only thing that they would have to do is make sure that they are managing that money financially responsibly. And you can put life insurance into a vehicle called a trust. And tell them how they have to manage that money to make sure that it's doing what it's supposed to do. But life insurance is such a wonderful vehicle that we just don't know about. And people get so.